0: Welcome to Necessary Illusions I am your host, MC Squared On this episode of the podcast, I interview Derek Wills, a.k.a. Cap Air He is the author of the book, The Liberty Solution He's also an anarcho-capitalist and advocate for individual liberty and self-governance On the show, we discuss capitalism, guns, politics, and free speech I hope you enjoy the show Solidarity forever!
1: Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate the invite.
0: So talk to me about your book here. Uh, you got some, a couple of famous projects here. So you were on time magazine and you're also an author of the Liberty solution. Why don't we start with the book first, the Liberty solution. What's sure. That
1: all so about? so uh, I describe it as a modern treatise on the philosophy of liberty and natural law. It's, uh, it's broken up into two parts. Part one is basically uh various grievances against the state of, regarding different topics from uh property rights to uh rights you know violations of uh privacy uh violations of our right to life etc uh and then part 2 proposes solutions and alternatives to the state uh and how and briefly the an anarcho capitalist himself and he's a uh, um an economist that uh, that pre- teaches at Loyola University in New Orleans. So you cut out a little bit. Uh, go
0: ahead and go back to the uh, the economist you're talking about. Teaches at Loyola. I think you cut out for about 15 seconds or so. Go ahead and bring it back a little.
1: Bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's a he's an economics professor at uh, the the uh, at. It's a bit about the book and um, you know all that.
0: Who's the, um, who's the professor? What's the name?
1: Walter Block.
0: Okay. So that's, that's an inspiration of
1: yours. Uh, he is one of the inspirations of mine and he, uh, he ended up writing the forward for me. So.
0: And, uh, so is this your first book, your only book you have other projects in the works? Uh,
1: this is my first book. The, uh, I am working on a, a second book right now. That's going to be a work of fiction. Uh, um, I'm kind of trying to take an Ayn Rand approach where, uh, you know, I use, um, you know, uh, fiction in order to tell philosophy. And uh, it's really about a town in New Hampshire that decides to secede from the United States and establish itself as an anarcho-capitalist society uh, and how the state responds to that. So that's kind of a what I got going in the works. Um, and, uh, hopefully there'll be more to come in the future.
0: So author, is that like your day job? Do you have a day job? How do you spend your time?
1: Uh, I do have a day job. I, um, I've had a career in, in maintenance and manufacturing. Um, and I'm, uh, currently work in maintenance management.
0: What do you think the idea – how do you feel about the term wage slavery? That's a term that uh, I I like to use to describe the system of capitalism that I find myself in. I find myself uh, kind of trapped in the system um, – I have to sell my labor, rent myself to a master, you know, kind of for the means of subsistence uh, subsistence, to get by. I don't like that kind of system. I think it's very similar to chattel slavery. The only uh, difference to me is that it's temporary. Perhaps you'll be able to retire one day or at the end of the workday, you get to go home, maybe nuke your supper and, you know, get to watch a little boob tube and go to bed. Um, What do you you think about the term wage slavery? Is that a term that uh, resonates with you at all?
1: Uh, no, I, I don't find it to be valid because wages are negotiated and they are voluntary. You are by no means required to accept that wage. Uh, now, if the market has dictated that for your skill set, that is the market rate for your uh, for your skills that you presented, um, then you're gonna be hard pressed to find anything above that. But you're again by no means forced or compelled under threat of violence. Uh, For not accepting that in any way. Um, So I don't I don't subscribe to that because of the fact that everything is purely voluntary. Yeah, I mean, you have the choice
0: to live under a bridge or to eat out of trash cans in a capitalist system. Or you could, you know, work a job and go to the grocery store, you know, buy an apartment, rent an apartment, buy a house. Hopefully one day, you know, if you're not an exploited worker, perhaps someone working for seven twenty-five an hour, I don't know if they're going to be able to afford groceries. They're probably going to need some sort some, uh, source of, like, subsidized, uh, you know, income from the government. So, like, a lot of corporations like uh, Walmart who pay their workers – poverty wages or amazon um you know they get their workers they they get to undercut the wage um the market they un- underpay their laborers and then they um they get subsidies from the government either directly for for payments they get tax breaks and then there are workers um you know who are not making enough to make ends meet um you know they end up getting you know some some form of Check, you know, from the government to whether it's food stamps or some other, you know, government program to put food on the table. So like 725, you know, the 15 years it's been uh, since the minimum wage has been raised. In uh, many of the Republican-led states, you know that they can now work. So, 15 years, uh, you know, you can work. In, 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 you can work in some of these child states. It's now eligible. So, I mean, obviously, 7.25 an hour is not a living wage in any society. It wasn't really one 15 years ago, and it's certainly not one today. So, I do not like government. I'm not in favor of government, but I think that corporations, um, you know, will screw us over a lot worse. At least the thing about Government is, at least in theory, is under some form of democratic control. So my my my, I guess, biggest enemy is the corporations and capitalism. I consider myself an anti-capitalist. I think there's a better economic system. I definitely, by no means, think that this is the only way we can do things. I think there's tons of different ways um, we can do things. Um, unfortunately, this system is stuck. You know, for a while. But there was feudalism. You know, there were slave societies. We're in a capitalist state. Many people might, you know, describe it as an end capitalism state as, uh, you know, the environment is becoming trashed. We have some of the worst uh, wealth inequality in hundreds of years. Uh, maybe the new Gilded Age, in fact, uh, wealth and inequality is worse. So I think, like, unfortunately, the state is uh, a necessity, you know, to kind of help workers that are being exploited, at least put some kind of regulations on the corporations that are doing the exploiting, that are doing the the trashing of the planet, so we have like, you know, back in the Gilded Age, we had robber barons, Andrew Carnegie, Rockefeller, where we have new ones today, they're even richer than the old robber barons, if you want to talk about like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, uh, you know, Bill Gates has been on the Forbes list for decades, so... Those, that's, I guess, that's how I would sum up uh, my political philosophies. Uh, you know, being an anarchist and being an anti-capitalist. I consider myself a socialist anarchist, or, um, you know, I guess along those lines. But what, what do you say about you know, uh, you know <laughs> minimum wage, people not, you know, getting subsistence, um, you know, that that sort of thing. Like, I, I guess, yeah. I'll, I'll just,
1: <laughs> what do you think of some of those t- comments that I, that I just made there? How does that what you uh, how does that make uh, you do? All right. So let me kind of back up a bit. Um I guess we'll start with with minimum wage. You know, you, you describe yourself as, as an anarchist, but you are in support of the state mandating that a company pay a certain wage uh and if they don't, then violence will be invoked against them. That's not uh that's not anarchism at all. What do you so mean, if we the the I, I state did, did is for violence. What so if if the if a company does not comply, what does the state do?
0: They send them to court, I guess. Maybe get a court. And reporter. if they refuse
1: to go to court, what does the state do?
0: They could shut down. They could revoke the charter. I could say that this business no longer. No, no, no.
1: They can claim that, but if they still can in, engage in in business activities, what is the?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm pretty familiar with like the police. Breaking up strikes and using violence against workers—I don't know if I have okay, so the- one instance of the state shutting down a company or corporation. Can you think of one?
1: Um, well, anytime a company breaks the law, there is that inherent threat of violence if they do not comply with whatever demands the state has. Doesn't matter if it's uh, paying taxes, if it's uh, you know uh, some accounting issues, or if they. They don't have permits, whatever the issue is, the state has that threat of violence, because if they do not comply with any edict, doesn't matter if it is uh, a benevolent edict that actually we can all agree, probably a good idea, even without the state. Or if it's a an arbitrary edict that makes no difference whatsoever, uh, just increases their uh, their overhead, if you will, in order to comply with whatever that is and. Um, No, If they fail to comply with any of those, the state will either start off small with a subpoena to court. If they fail to appear, then armed agents with firearms will come and force them to comply. If they refuse that uh, attempted arrest or kidnapping, then they will use actual violence against them up to and including their own deaths. So that is what I mean by... uh, in violence against them. So uh, it, it's immoral no matter who it's being done to or for why, uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter because the a centralized monopoly on violence against people who are harming no one um, is immoral on its face. Um, and then further, you brought up companies like Amazon and Walmart. I have previously worked at Amazon and I know for a fact that they start start their uh, lowest employees at $15 an hour. That is their own decision to make. And I know one is actually the same uh, as Costco and several others. And this is all without state mandates. The minimum wage only uh, targets smaller businesses, uh, which is their overhead. And if they don't comply, then the state will send armed agents in order to invoke violence against them. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So I I definitely uh, oppose the um, state's ability to carry out violence. And typically they do that, you know, on behalf of the ruling class, the police carry out an agenda. You know, typically the police preserve property. They preserve disorder. Uh, They don't necessarily, in my opinion, protect the community or protect, you know, the citizen population. Um, Usually, you know, the the police and the security forces are, you know, the agents, the domestic agents uh, of the ruling class. So they're there to kind of carry out the agenda of, you know, the the people that own the society, the people that own, you know, all the wealth in this country, which is, you know, a fraction of 1%. Um, But yeah, I mean, I definitely think the state's ability to carry out violence should be dismantled, whether that's domestically uh, and, and, you know, as it relates to, like, the police force, the security forces, the secret police, you know, all the surveillance going on, all that kind of stuff. I definitely agree. I'm in favor of defunding the police, whether it's the FBI or whether it's the international wing, you know, the CIA who falls under the... Uh, essentially the leadership of the executive of the president you know carrying out uh d- domestic or i'm sorry international terrorism for an agenda to accomplish you know a political end you know overthrowing a a uh, a regime you know regime change that's kind of been their m o since their since they were created um and of course, of course the k g b was modeled after the CIA um but yeah i think domestically um the funding dismantling the state's ability to carry out violence. And, uh, you know, even the military kind of defunding and demilitarizing in in kind of like kind of breaking down that, uh, you know, that trillion dollars or I don't know, 800, 900 uh, billion dollar budget that we have right now. So usually, um, you know, the the pentagon system is a system of funneling taxpayer money to private high tech inter- industry under the guise of defense so they have to kind of create bogeymen and enemies you know first it was the communists now it's like international terrorism the russians are back so you know we have that enemy i guess now uh, i just saw an article about uh, some threat the russians might have nuke nuclear capabilities in space Uh, And if they don't, it doesn't matter. It works for the, you know, the fear mongering, which is needed to have like a trillion dollar budget. So, yes, for sure, the the state has a monopoly on violence. And I think it would be a great thing to kind of dismantle that uh, violent apparatus. Uh, I'm not in favor of police. I'm in favor of defunding the police, dismantling the police and dismantling the military. Now, whether you want to abolish it entirely, I would leave up to local communities. I would consider myself, you know, an anarcho syndicalist. Or maybe an anarcho communist, meaning, you know, kind of how, how should the society be structured? I think it should be structured around small, democratically structured institutions like the workplace or democratic um, communities. Uh, I don't want a centralized state. So uh, I, you know, consider myself, I guess, a communist, at least an anarcho communist, but certainly not uh, the way that. You know, the Soviet Union carried out their style of government, which is like a state totalitarian society, an autocratic dictator, and Lenin and Stalin. So I oppose that. In fact, I never, I don't think um, capitalism has actually ever been tried. I don't think it's ever really been tried. What we have is a form of. Socialism for the rich, you know, corporate subsidies, corporate welfare, and capitalism, and you know, rugged free markets for the poor. So that's the way the system works in this country and abroad. And then what we have is the global south. They're kind of the exploited workforce. You know, we kind of have. They're, they're the service. They they service us. All the all the jobs have been offshore to places like you know whatever. To or um. Wherever Thailand, the global south, like Latin America, uh China, you know, as a production center. At one point in time, America was the production leader in the world, the center of it. I think half of production at the uh, at, at the I don't know, nineteen forty five, right around the end of World War Two was in the United States. I don't know what it is now, but Lots and lots, millions of jobs have been offshore and transferred. So that's what I would say about the system that we are in. I don't think it's capitalist, nor do I think it's socialist. And in fact, I don't think that socialism nor capitalism has ever been tried in a capitalist society. For example, like the banks. You know, let's go back to 2008. You know, that crashed the economy. These greedy, greedy bankers making bad loans and investments that destroyed the entire economy, and people lost their homes and stuff. They wouldn't be bailed out, but they were bailed out. They got you know billions and billions of dollars and in fact these banks which were you know too big to fail after the great Reche- recession and basically Obama putting a bandaid on the problem they came out bigger and stronger and richer than ever and even what 6 months or a year down the road they started giving their uh, getting their big bonuses their big checks again so that's the system i see i mean i don't think it's capitalist or socialist i think our, we have we are some sort of neoliberal class warfare type system where you know government essentially transfers money from the poor and middle class to the rich, which is how we got this wealth inequality, you know, at record levels today.
1: I don't agree with about 99% of what you just said, and I'm only – not giving you 100 because you said so much, I don't want to accidentally <laughs> say that I agree with, with something. I talk all If I don't. Yeah, I
0: know. I just say stuff. <laughs> I, just go. I just go and go and go. No, that's good. I think, we're, I think we're on the same page. I'm just not a fan of capitalism. I am not a fan of government, though. Make no mistake. I think the long-term goal would be Hopefully no government. I want the state to dissolve. I want these arbitrary borders to dissolve. But I do like democracy. I think the people, I like what the people say goes. You know, majority rules. 51, 49, hey, we're going to go with the 51. So that's kind of my thought. I believe in real democracy, uh, direct democracy. I think that's, you know, maybe a pie-in-the-sky type of ideal or dream. But, you know, in theory, I think it could work. It's just the idea would be, you know, who's getting the issues that we vote on? You know, but I really like the idea of having small communities, kind of uh, self-government, self-autonomy, you know, kind of self-organizing themselves and whatnot. And then we can kind of come together and vote on important issues. And then we go back to our whatever our normal lives are. But, you know, I definitely don't think also that we need full-time paid politicians. I think that's such a drain on society. We don't need these idiots getting on stage telling us a bunch of lies. And then when we get in there, they do, you know, the exact opposite. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so um, I want to I want to clarify something um, because I think that we might have different definitions of what capitalism is. Uh, I define capitalism as nothing more than the pure voluntary exchange of goods and services in a free market. That's all capitalism is. Now, that would also include things like selling your labor in exchange for a wage uh, voluntarily doing that. Um, But ultimately, as long as it's a voluntary exchange of private property, goods and services um, that is subject only to market pressures, not any sort of coercion. So purely voluntary, that is what capitalism is. And I absolutely agree with your sentiments that um, capitalism hasn't been tried or hasn't been tried in in an incredibly long time. Uh, I think that maybe for the first like week and a half of the United States, we might have had capitalism. But after that, it kind of, you know, got uh, regulated and and government started interfering into the market. Um, You know, I I think that if we could agree on that definition, uh, what what are your thoughts? Does that change how you view capitalism or, or change how you understand capitalism?
0: I think what you described is a market, which I am in favor of. I think there has to be some sort of market exchange, you know, for goods. I think that doesn't necessarily have to be currency. We don't have to exchange money. You know, perhaps we could have some, you know, society where, um, you know, things like water and education and healthcare care, we're all free. So you don't exchange a dollar figure. Like we kind of come together in the local community and say these are the kind of projects we are going to fund with our tax revenue. So you kind of go there And, um, you know, you kind of get these services for free, services like, you know, again, food, water, shelter, clothing, I don't know, that kind of stuff. I mean, I think that, that, uh, I think those are human rights. I think it'd be really tough to, you know, live (laughs) a a fruitful life without food, water, um, shelter, that sort of stuff. So the basics, I think, can be free. Um, And then, yeah, I think some sort of market exchange for, you know, whatever, things like, I don't know, golf clubs sports uh, equipment, I don't know, you know, stereo telecommunications, whatever, you know, stuff that we don't necessarily need to survive, but are entertainment. Uh, But yeah, I mean, a free market, I guess, is defined as uh, informed consumers making rational decisions, right? But, um, you know, why is marketing so, I guess, concerned with um, creating uninformed consumers making irrational choices? So, if that doesn't make sense, do you think about a car commercial? You know, we're not getting grass up on st- uh, on, on the TV screen, and, and it's not going to be like, "Hey, this is the gas mileage. This is how much it's going to cost to maintain this car. This is, uh, you know, the, the projections for how many miles you can put on it before you need a new motor, whatever. You know, different charts trying to educate the consumer. What you get is a, a sports star or a cheerleader, you know, or an actress or actor, you know, driving the car on the moon, you know, for no reason whatsoever. So you're trying to be like, oh, this is an awesome car. I can drive it on the moon. I can drive it up a mountain. Let me buy it. It's got, it comes in red and blue, you know? So I think that's what advertising does is trying to break down these, you know, these, these markets. They they want to have ignorant consumers just making silly, irrational choices on things we don't need. And in a capitalist society, you know, it's consumerism. It's these marketing and these corporations are trying to invent needs, you know, fashionable consumptions, things that we can spend our money on that we don't need and might sit sit in our house, you know, six months after we buy it. You know, it's junk because we don't care about it anymore. But at the time, it seemed like a good idea. So in terms of like the entire socio-political economic system, that's very complex. But I think what you described is a market, you know, a market system where people exchange whatever, currency, money, or it could be, you know, um, a system where in the, in the local community, I go for you for bread. No money is exchanged. And when you come to me, I'm in healthcare. I'll give you healthcare for free. You know, we could maybe see some society without the need of currency or means of exchanging, you know, money. But of course, you know, we live in a society where money is exchanged for literally everything and nothing is free. Um uh, but yeah, I think that the state it's it, it can be you know it depends on how you look at it. I don't want an all powerful centralized state totalitarian state that tells me everything when i when I think of democracy, though I think of maybe a small community, a city even you know kind of making decisions democratically on you know how our tax revenue should we go should go you know should we should we build infrastructure? Uh, public transportation, should we, you know, update the schools, should we uh, update, um, you know, whatever, the technology, maybe the internet, maybe the the telecommunications, whatever it is, you know, that's what I think a democratic society would do, would be, you know, we get together once a year to to determine where, you know, this revenue from our tax dollars goes, Um, but what you have here in the United States is, you know, if you want to go to tax day, it's just like some alien force is coming out of, uh, you know, once a year to collect our hard earned money, and they're using it on God knows what. Certainly not infrastructure. If you look at the roads here in South Texas, I think a lot of my money is going to that military industrial complex and sent right to Gaza, or I guess Israel, so they can kill babies in hospitals and whatnot. And I don't, I'm not okay with that. I think a lot of that money should be used right here. So I think more of my. Even more of my taxpayer money is being sent to Ukraine you know thousands of miles from my home i don 't think russia 's threat to my uh, existence and yet we're spending all this money to defend whatever Ukraine, which at the time uh, before the Russian invasion was voted the most corrupt government in Europe. And I think worst case scenario, this could be a proxy war that leads to World War III. We have two nuclear powers here. We're funding Ukraine, but Russia is the second most nuclear power next to us. Actually, I've seen some things that Russia has more nukes than we do. Um, so this if, if, if we continue to escalate, um, you know... The force and the violence there, it could end in a nuclear holocaust. It could end in a nuclear apocalypse. And that would be terrible. So, yeah, I think I want democratic control of where my taxpayer money goes to. I don't want to provide you know subsidies for corporations. So and if you want to talk about the free market, you know, the free market is highly manipulated. I don't think a free market truly exists. It's, it, it exists as an idea. But, like, why is... Why did billionaires? If you want to talk about like the free market, why do billionaires get billions of dollars in subsidies? Why does the taxpayer fund you know research and development like the internet and pharmaceuticals? If you want to talk about the, uh, the global pandemic and COVID nineteen, I mean we spent billions of dollars um, and spent these for these um, cons- uh, for these pharmaceutical companies to develop these drugs, and then they made a fortune on it, and it was all on the taxpayer's dime. So again, we kind of have a system where our taxpayer money gets funneled to big corporations who are owned by very rich and powerful men and women. So they have kind of this manipulated free market. So what you get is, you know, you get socialism, socialism, for the rich and powerful, and you get free market capitalism for everybody else. So you have to kind of rent yourself just to get by. I mean, billionaires don't work for a living. These people that own these corporations don't get a bunch of time card. I mean, they're probably on their yacht somewhere. I don't think they – I bet Jeff Bezos probably couldn't even even tell you where some of these uh, Amazon headquarters are. I feel like he's so disconnected from the business as, you know, Elon Musk. I mean, maybe he's a little bit more hands-on, but I think that these billionaires are just so disconnected from everyday life, and I think that all the advantages are in society go to these people that don't need them. I think the people that are really struggling are the ones that are making, whatever, 15 bucks an hour to try to put food on the table, or like, let's say, these gig workers, you know, who – who let's say work in an Uber and whatnot, uh, destroying their car or the wear and tear on their car, but they're not getting any benefits. You know, if they get sick or if they, you know, have an injury or whatever and they can't come into work, guess what? You don't get paid. So there's there's no sick time, there's no retirement, these gig workers, you know, basically have to rent themselves, you know, and, and it's one one paycheck at a time with no benefits, no security, no stability. I, I think that's a bad thing. So I think we should use the power of the state in the short term to make lives a little bit better for those type of people.
1: I don't support the use of the state for any reason, even, in, even to support reasons that I agree with. And the reason is simply, it's immoral to use violence in order to coerce people into complying with the things that they do not want to comply with um especially whenever it is uh you know their choice they're not harming anyone so um uh, you know whenever it comes to you know um like gig work like you like you brought up um, that's all done under their own free will and for choice. They understand the terms and conditions for uh, signing up as an independent contractor for Uber. Um, and so they're doing it by choice. So there's nothing wrong with that model. If, if they're doing it by choice, they understand, look, you won't get any medical insurance from this or this, that, and the other. These benefits don't apply. Uh, you know, they still Go in there knowing that, and they still volunteer to make that choice. So, um, saying that Uber should be forced to provide that uh, under an inherent threat of violence if they fail to comply is immoral on its face because, um, for one, it's obviously not needed. There are plenty of drivers that voluntarily really do this. So, um, it 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 just it is a an advocacy for for evil acts to be committed. Uh, and under no circumstances do I support evil in any form. I agree with you there. What do you think about what I said uh, in Gaza
0: and uh, Ukraine? I mean, we're funding genocide with our taxpayer dollars. What's going on in Gaza? Potentially, we could be you know, financing uh, the precursor to World War III and nuclear apocalypse in Ukraine. We're supposed yeah. to, I don't know, be all about their the ukrainians you know and feel bad for them and uh, we want to save their democracy and but the gazans like oh you know unfortunately you know any civilians that die they're human shields so obviously the there's a bit of a slant to the media we're supposed to be sympathetic to towards the ukrainians and you know not care about the all the dead gazans because it's a good thing if israel takes out hamas which i think both things uh, both acts of violence are bad and i think what's going on in, in gaza is some of the worst stuff i've ever seen in my lifetime I wish that would stop. I think there needs to be a ceasefire right now. So what, what say you about our tax dollars being used, you know, kind of to fund these, um, you know, these wars going on thousands and thousands of miles away from our borders? And I don't think your, um, you know, your welfare, I don't think you're under the threat, you know, from from uh, any any of Hamas's agents or, you know, Russian's agents. I don't think, you know, your safety is in jeopardy. So what say you about using our tax dollars to fund these foreign wars?
1: well fund the taxation is immoral as a you know it it is it is theft it is extortion it is slavery it is fraud to begin with uh but that point aside using it to fund acts of evil such as war is also immoral on its face it's morally bankrupt uh it, it's it's grotesque and um you know it It makes the United States government guilty of war crimes by proxy. So, um, you know, I I definitely am in agreement with uh, not sending tax dollars anywhere. But even more so, I'm in favor of not having taxation anyway because of the of its compulsory aspect and how you know violence will be invoked against somebody for not complying, um, which makes it such an an extortive. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it shouldn't be collected to begin with, but it also shouldn't be funding genocide and and war.
0: I'm down with taxes as long as it's democratically agreed upon. If there's something we don't want to fund, you know, we don't tax for it. But uh, as long as it's, as it's democratically agreed upon, as long as it serves local communities I'm okay with taxation, and I definitely want a form of taxation that's progressive. So we tax the rich and powerful much more than we tax everyone else. Uh, I think it should be slanted in 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 that way. And uh, I'm definitely in opposition to the flat tax because you know a corporate CEO can certainly afford to pay a lot more out of pocket than you know the janitor that's washing the floor. So a flat tax would not even. Be noticed, you know, by a corporate CEO and the janitor or a normal, normal person you know, that might hurt them in the pocketbook. So, I'm in favor of, of a progressive tax system that uh taxes rich and powerful people much at much higher rates than everyone else,
1: yeah. So, um, uh, you the progressive tax system. I, I again, I don't support any sort of taxation system, um, because of you know the fact that it is theft in and of itself it is extortion uh you know a a collective is taking uh a a portion of the fruits of your labor um against your will If say you're in a democratic society you were a dissenter to this tax plan that got approved by the majority of voters uh you know it's being taken against your will because you dissented and didn't consent to it um so um it, it that's what makes it uh, extortion because of the fact that there is no actual consent that is explicit, and you can't argue uh, implied consent either because ex- the nature of consent has to be um, explicit consent. So, um, I, but even still, you know, the, the structure of an income tax or, or a, a progressive tax on, you know, depending on one's net worth, um. You know, I, I find that to be a bit more egregious because of the fact that uh, you know you are taking more as somebody becomes more successful, uh, as they are building their their net worth, as they are working uh, and creating and innovating and engineering, um, and and giving things that the market wants or needs. Uh, you know, you were effectively punishing him for doing that by extorting more of the fruits of his labor. So, um, I can't, I definitely can't su- support any sort of passive tax system on anyone. Uh, but then I don't support any tax system for thing in any form or or, or fashion. So, um, I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah. So. I think there's a lot of ideology here in the way things are presented. So in Russian society, um, you know, now and then, you know, during the Soviet Union, they're, you know, rich and powerful citizens, whatever, were kind of described as, um, I guess, the commissar class, and now they're oligarchs. But I think, you know, the, the same type of people we have in American society, I think that uh, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, um, you know, whatever, Warren Buffett, all these guys – you uh, know some women too. I guess some of the Walton uh, heiresses. Um, you know they're robber barons as well. Uh, I think that they are oligarchs. I think they are exploiters. I don't think that they should exist. I don't think if there's one hungry child in the United States, we should have one billionaire. And I think for how rich a society the United States is, I think it should be an absolute scandal. That one child dies of hunger, or one homeless person, you know, sleeps under the bridge at night, under a bridge at night. So I think that that is the failure of our society that we have, you know, rampant poverty. Nearly a million people are homeless. I I saw something like, you know, thirty million children are uh, food insecure, which is, is terrible. So I think the way that, unfortunately, in our society the billionaires, the oligarchs, the robber barons, the exploiters, however you want to frame them, they're presented as, you know, these innovators, these entrepreneurs, these people that are creative and and have done great things. But when you look at these people, they all had a little bit of help, you know, assistance, rich parents. Uh, Elon Musk is, uh, I think his parents, what, owned an an emerald mine or something like that in apartheid uh, South Africa that got him his start. Warren Buffett's uh, father was a senator, uh, we know how crooked politics are here in the United States, so if you're a senator, I'm sure he had some connections. Jeff Bezos' his parents, I think, started him out with Amazon with the. Three hundred or two hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan. So all these people got started. You know they were you know given an opportunity, an opportunity much greater than you know let's say some minority in an in American inner city you know gets in the public uh, public education system. So that's the way I think of billionaires. I do not think they are entrepreneurs. I think they are robber barons. I think they are thieves. I think they are oligarchs. So talk about theft. I think um, profits are, are stolen. I think profits are unpaid. Wages to the workers who actually, you know, make the product and do the hard work. I don't think Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk is doing any hard work in their factories of SpaceX, Tesla or Amazon. They're not, uh, you know, working 12 hour shifts, 10 hour shifts doing hard labor, you know, they're probably just in there telling people what to do. So what, what about what about the idea of profit? Why, are, why is profit not divided up equally between the workforce? That's what I'm in favor of. I, I like co-ops. So I think that the workforce should be, I think workplaces should be owned and operated by the workers that work in them, you know, and not... By some oligarch or some board of directors, or by the shareholders, I think that the people are actually going there to work and putting in the, the hours. And I think those should be the ones that get the fruits of the labor. Those are the, should be the ones that get to divide up the profits equally. That's my thought. What about what about you and me? I guess the oligarchs, the robber barons? How I'd like to frame the billionaire class—the class of leeches—and then what about profits? Why do they get all the profits and workers
1: get nothing or very very couple pennies? Because such an offer was not made and it was not negotiated. So let's say you start a business. It doesn't matter if uh you get a loan from the bank or if you get a loan from a friend or if you get a loan from uh your parents, uh if you get a loan to help grow your your uh your business, that doesn't give that's not uh, any sort of special privilege that is granted—that's you know—you've come up with a sound business model that people want to invest in. That's what—that's what them giving a loan is—is is an investment in your business. Um, and uh, once it grows, it by necessity requires that the company expand and hire more people to help out. Those, uh, offers for those jobs uh, are made voluntarily and depending on what they do but the thing of it is uh wages aren't dependent A person's salary or or wage is not dependent on how much sweat they write wipe from their brow every day. uh it's not it, it is far more so how hard are they to replace you know i'm sure you take issue with the uh the the phrase low skilled or no skilled worker that's not mm-hmm. to say that it's that it's um uh, know, that they don't have any skills whatsoever. It's that that job is easily replaceable, uh, to just about anyone in the market. And as things go up into management and operations and, uh, uh, being a director and a vice president, you can't, the, the, the pool of, can pull uh, who you can hire for those roles gets significantly and exponentially smaller and smaller, making that person much harder to replace uh, and so that's why it's okay for somebody at uh, you know as a, at a vice presidential level to be making two hundred thousand three hundred thousand uh, you know a million whatever the offer is uh, versus somebody who is at the very bottom rung. Uh, you know, helping assemble widgets, uh, for ten, fifteen dollars an hour. Uh, they, it's much harder for them to be replaced. That's why it makes them valuable. That's why their wages are higher. As far as profit, again, it's not something that was voluntarily agreed to. There are companies that offer profit sharing benefit, uh, and some of that could be quite lucrative. Some of it can be, you know, what some might consider. Uh, you know, insulting because it's not high enough or whatever the case is. Um, but it's not the only thing a business owner owes to an employee is that which was voluntarily agreed upon. That is the only thing they are obligated to fulfill. If they want to add more to it later, they absolutely can, but they can't take away from the base contract and so if you think that companies should be in, in, engaged in profit sharing, I actually agree with that idea. I think companies should offer profit sharing as a benefit, but I'm not going to force that. I'm not going to use coercion or state violence in order to make that an a, something that all companies all offer. That's the thing that I would do as an employee uh, or sorry, as an employer, Um uh, assuming that it made sense for me to make that offer. Um, and uh, but all of that aside, it all depends on what was the offer to the employee that was made and, and voluntarily agreed on. So just because you disagree with their business practice, um, you know, some of that responsibility to the employee for not negotiating that or not attempting to negotiate that but even if they did it's it's ultimately up to both parties to come to a mutual agreement and if they don't have a mutual agreement then um you know they will part ways but if they do have a mutual agreement then that is the mutual agreement and they are bound to it
0: um so corporations used to exist um now they have the rights of immortal persons they exist um they're legal created fictions. They exist in courts of law. They they have state charters. If we revoked the state charter, they wouldn't even exist. Um, they started out, um, you know, people incorporated to do a, a project in, let's say, like the 19th century, I believe. I think that's when they got their start, the 20th century is when they got these in, insane rights, absurd rights, of immortal persons and protections of the state, these um, legal um, entities uh, collectivist institutions, which I oppose. Uh, I like co-ops. I like the idea of workers, you know, kind of coming together um, equally, wounding and um, dividing up the profits. I'm in favor of that model. I'm not in favor of a model uh, where there's a hierarchy, you know, placing some above others you know, in a, in a corporation, it's a totalitarian private tyranny. So the people at the top make the orders, they give those orders to the middle managers, and the middle managers step on the nets of their employees beneath them. And if they don't like it, they, they can get fired, or they can quit, and they'll hire someone else to do uh, do the job. And um, maybe it's enough to make a living, maybe it's not. Maybe you have to get a check from the government just to pay your rent. Um, but, you know, this, this idea of Corporations existing, I, I, I take offense to. I don't think they should exist. I'm in favor of democratically organized institutions that, you know, maybe there's some community oversight, but I'm not in favor of these large transnationals that have insane rights, hundreds and not billions and billions of dollars of market share and wealth. Um, And at one point in time, you know, people got together and they incorporated to build infrastructure like a bridge or a road. And then once that task was completed, the corporation dissolved. But now we have these insanely powerful or mortal corporations that exist forever in perpetuity. Um, and they were given these rights by the courts of law and not through legislation. So I have issue with corporations. They are my enemy. Um, I think that collectivist institutions should not have any rights. I don't think that we should give them rights whatsoever. I think individuals should have rights, and that's what we, I think we agree on. But what do you think about these collectivist institutions, these private tyrannies, these hierarchies of managers and middle managers and upper managers and boards of directors and executives? I think we have 30 times the layers of management that they any other um society i think in the united states we have just way way more layers of management there have been studies on it and management does absolutely it's very inefficient to have these high paid uh layers of management because um, managers offer absolutely zero to production they are high-paid, and they are just waste, you know. They they make decisions um, that I think the workers can make themselves democratically, and I think that sh- should be the way uh, that collectivist institutions sh- should operate. I think they should be democratic. They should not be hierarchies, and I think their powers should be limited. I don't think they should have fully invested rights and protections from the state. Uh, I think that they should be democratically organized and I think the local communities if they get out of line they should revoke their charter so what say you about corporations generally are you in favor of them are you not in favor of them are you neutral on corporations what do you think of my little uh I don't know little reign about corporations I'm not a fan of them I think they should go away and I think I'd be a much better planet if we got rid of these things
1: so uh, you know nothing about the structure of a business is problematic it set up that way organically. And I mean purely organically, not with the state, you know, backing you and granting you special privileges, you know, others can't, uh, nothing like that. So, you know, if somebody wants to set up a company to have a a board of directors, uh, you know, they should be allowed to do that again as is voluntary and, and organic. Uh, Um, you know, but I will say, uh, you know, your, your, your rant on, um, on uh management is a bit odd to me and and I'll tell you why. So I've started my career um you know I've been I've worked on the factory floor assembling things. Um and now I'm in maintenance management. Uh I can tell you for a fact that uh, management is incredibly valuable. Uh there can be and I have seen this. Well, companies will have you know too many managers managing different things that really that could be, um, you know, managed by uh, only a handful, maybe two managers instead of the five that you have doing it. Uh, I have seen that, but, um, you know, management as as a whole is actually incredibly important as a company gets larger and larger and larger. Uh, again, assuming this is happening organically uh, and at the behest of the, of the free market. So, you know, as it gets larger, those pieces, those components of that business, um, become harder to manage. All you know, at one person, which is why they need just splitting things up and creating departments, and and uh, you know, having th- you know, management at different levels for various various aspects of the company. It does actually make a huge difference. And whenever you you chastise CEOs for not doing quote unquote hard work. Um, you're actually uh, not understanding what it is that they do in that capacity. Uh, CEOs are incredibly important because without them, the company go- does not have any sort of guidance. They're the re- they're, they are the uh, the main driver of the overall business operation, and uh, you know they make decisions that could uh, sink a company overnight. Uh, you know, think to, uh, you know, some of the major scandals that, like Enron, you know, the, the directors and VPs and, and CEOs, CFO at the top were engaged in fraud because that was the, uh, you know, was the decisions that they had made. And then you're whenever m- you're that making scandal- my
0: argument for me, thank you, because I agree they're too powerful to get rid of them for Democratic committees because they are they carry out fraud, they commit crimes They do terrible things in the name of self-interest. So thank you for making my argument for me.
1: Well, I'm not suggesting that uh, under my philosophy, things like this will never happen. Uh, Of course they will happen. It's just a statistical probability of life. Uh, But the thing is, even in our quasi-capitalistic economy that we have today, which is not pure capitalism as we've already discussed, uh, as I defined it earlier, um even under our corporatist you know uh discussing bastardized economy that we have here enron went bankrupt practically overnight you've also had companies throughout history like uh united copper company who saw their stock price tank 87% in 3 days uh and which led to like you know seven uh you know th- people do do sleazy shit on occasion and uh but it doesn't you know, if those are found out, the market is incredibly powerful to bring massive corporations under today's understanding of statism and our our statist economy um, and still bring them to their knees and make them go away. That's the market pressure, despite the fact that it's not a truly free market. Um, but you were also talking about bailouts a bit earlier. That shouldn't happen. That would never happen in a truly free market. Um, well, i think and- I think
0: with the bailouts of the banking industry which collapsed i 'm not in favor of bailouts or too big to fail, or the federal Reserve. I think it should be abolished I think these ginormous transnational corporations and this banking cartel I'm doing a solo podcast on it right now i think we should dissolve it all we should have small local community banks i think we should have small local community corporations we should limit their power limit the power of the executive and get rid of the executive maybe entirely in favor of you know democratically institute democratically organized institutions um but yeah i think i think that The bailouts probably need to happen because the entire financial system was on the verge of collapse. So I think in the short run, the government stepped in and aided us because of our, you know, complex society and how our economy is structured. But in the long run, I would like to get rid of those things like the Federal Reserve, uh, these giant transnational corporations and corporations and banks that are too big to fail. What what do you think about uh, Occupy? I I like the Occupy movement. That's kind of what radicalized me. I really like the, you know, the the idea too big to fail. We created these banking institutions that were too big to fail. And once they made some risky loans that, you know, tanked the entire economy, the the nanny state came to their rescue in a a truly capitalist uh, economy. That would not happen. These institutions would be allowed to fail and new ones would be created to take their place.
1: No, I absolutely agree uh with with that sentiment. Uh I will highlight that uh the risky loans were being made because of state uh incentives to do so. Uh but that's a whole another long ass conversation for for another time. Uh but uh you know, in a truly free market, it it is highly unlikely that loans like that ever would have been made to begin with. But even if they had been uh, you're right. The the concept of too big a fail wouldn't exist. There wouldn't be a central bank like the Federal Reserve to bail people to bail companies out uh, of their financial woes the, the because Federal of bad Reserve. decision and mismanagement
0: absolutely the federal reserve is a privately owned bank it's a corporation it's deceptively named and it loans it creates money out of thin air and then loans it back to us at interest it's a ponzi scheme and i won't stand for it i think it's a messed up system and unfortunately it it was you know came to power at the time of um the founding of this country, the financial elites, a lot of them uh, based in Europe. In fact, we modeled the Federal Reserve after the Bank of England. So I think the Revolutionary War was not only um, to separate ourselves from England and its reach and its colonialism, but also the Bank of England and its you know neocolonial, I guess, financial um, predatory loans. You know, that's one of the issues was, you know, taxation without representation and all these ridiculous Taxes and interest that we are paying, and we eventually said enough of it. We're getting out of the system, but what we did is created a system much like it. In fact, now we are not no longer England. We are the world's financial, you know, superpower. So you know, predatory capitalism is one of our techniques. If you want to talk about like predatory loans and uh, institutions like the the IMF and the World Bank, I think the Federal Reserve, the IMF, and the and the World Bank, these institutions should. Be dissolved. I think we should get rid of them. I don't like these kind of um, supra governmental institutions with all this power, uh, you know, entrusted in, in and unaccountable uh, technocrats and quote unquote experts selected
1: by elites to carry out their agenda. No, I, I am a thousand percent with you. You know, centralization of anything uh, is bad. Um, and all you know, the IMF, the World Bank, uh, the, you know, the Federal Reserve, uh, even the Bank of England, and all of the other—they're all central banks. They are all centralized entities that operate on, uh, as you put it, a super governmental level. And and it's disgusting because, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve specifically for you know those in the U.S. Um, the Federal Reserve is behind the single most Insidious tax ever created called inflation. You know, a lot of people like to attribute what's called inflation to quote unquote go- corporate greed, uh, but it is all due to the Federal Reserve and its manipulation of our, our again, civilized currency. Uh, you know, going back to a free market, a free market would have a free and open market for the use of money. It doesn't matter. You know, you might have a bit one business that takes Bitcoin and silver, and the next. Uh, company down says, "Okay, yeah, we take Bitcoin, but we don't take silver. Or, you know, whatever the market demands is what they'll, you know, it, you, exchange in and, and trade in. And uh, you know, if it's free and open to the market, then that's a good thing. The centralized currency and Federal reserves, they constantly get devalued, uh, you know, year over year over year. That's how it uh, it's, collapsed.
0: The currency was the yeah, and eventually the people revolted because their money was worth." pretty much worthless and right now we have trillions of dollars t- maybe 20 30 trillions of dollars of um, hoarded wealth outside the economy in tax havens and and uh, and um, shell companies and this kind of stuff is only possible when, when we have you know again I don't know. not even know how much money is out there in the world economy, but it's like trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And I think only a fraction of that is actually, you know, used uh on a day to day basis. So the majority of our wealth, you know, this paper wealth, this fiat currency, is hoarded by elites. And again, these tax havens and shell companies and who who knows where. Which is a bad um,
1: thing. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure you're of your fears. I don't know them off the top of my head, so I can't really challenge them. Um, But uh, the, that people keeping currency outside the U S economy is not what's causing the inflationary issues that we're seeing. Uh, What's causing them is an increase in the money supply. Whatever the federal reserve prints, more federal reserve notes. So, you know, in March of 2020 at the height of, you know, the whole uh, COVID-19 crap, uh, the Federal Reserve printed uh began printing six point six trillion dollars uh and and dumped it into the economy in the form of stimulus packages and bailouts and and you name it um and
0: let me just say this here here so i just this is a this is a harvard economist no i'm sorry berkeley economist uh mr james s henry in his comprehensive uh study he estimates that there's thirty tri- thirty six $36 trillion in tax havens essentially hoarded and outside the global economy. This stuff is tough to track. Nobody has any idea. This is not even the highest estimate I've seen. So maybe $36 trillion just sitting out there uh, hoarded and doing absolutely nothing. It's not being moved around. It's not being in, used in the markets
1: and it's certainly not being used to buy groceries. Uh, again, I can't speak to because I, I haven't seen the study and I don't, um, you know, I, To me, it seems a little high. You might be right, but I I don't know, so I can't really speak to it.
0: That's what you have when you have a debased currency and a financial system that's been deregulated. You get these, you know, it just gets these in- insane amounts of money. So inflation goes up for the little guy, you know, for the working class and poor people. But, you know, billionaires, it just balloons their net worth. So a lot of people are struggling day to day just to get by while, while we have, you know, billionaires and the fraction of the 1%, you know, hoarding money in tax havens around the world, buying yachts and 15 and 16 vacation homes and And whatnot, and uh, essentially, you know, this 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 money is not being utilized in the economy. It's outside the economy. It's in a tax haven. It's you know hidden somewhere. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of these studies out there. I read an article, something about like rivers of dirty money. Also would recommend for anyone interested in this kind of stuff, check out the Pandora Papers and the Panama Papers. In fact, I think Zelensky, the uh, leader of Ukraine, was actually named in the Panama Papers. So he's actually got some uh, secret bank accounts uh, out there as well. Probably aided, uh, maybe aid from the United States and our tax money. He might be stashing some of that. But anyways, I want to go back to um, the myth of low-skilled workers. That's 70% of the workforce. Um, I think that that was a myth created to um, justify paying workers a poverty wage. Uh, I would recommend anyone out there that feels that they are an exploited worker that uh, does not get a living wage to organize with others and start a union. Let's say you about unions. I think they're a great thing for working people. I think it allows people... You know, working class and poor people to kind of level the playing field a little bit or at least tilt it back. You know, groups of organized workers can actually stand up together and say, hey, if we don't get a a, a higher uh, salary, we're going to all quit. You're going to have to replace every single one of us. So I think in general, unions are a great thing. Labor unions or organizations of working people speaking up uh, against the man and the establishment. I think they are a democratizing force and I think they are a positive for society. What say you about unions?
1: Um I hate unions. I've been a part of a union. Um I I absolutely hate unions. Um that said, uh I think that unions can only be purely valid if they're voluntary. And I mean purely voluntary from from the membership to uh the company that the union is supposedly working with and negotiating with. Um that should be Completely and purely voluntary. If a uh, if a company is producing and all of a sudden the union goes on strike for whatever reason, I think the company should be able to sever ties with the union and start hiring work- workers. You know that want to work, um, if they so chose. But they don't have that power. And there's actually a lot of, of other powers that that uh, the current state of things um, puts in favor of unionization and, and gives unions absolute insane amount of power over. Uh, over companies, um, all by partnering with the the, the federal government. In fact, um, th- there are st- stipulations outlined where even if a, a workforce votes, uh, c- votes uh, to whether or not to unionize and the vote fails and there was no actual wrongdoing and interference or anything like that, despite that, the federal government can step in and say, no, you're going to unionize anyway. Um, that's not, that's not acceptable that that's just empowering unions to, uh, essentially do whatever the hell they want. Um, that said unions are also, um, they're just kind of, they kind of perpetuate sloth to begin with. And this is from my own experiences being part of a union. Uh, you know, I've, I remember being told, don't, don't work too hard or, or you'll work yourself out of a job. And it's like, I'm here to work. I'm getting paid to work. Um, you know, and so that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to sit on my ass all day, uh, and, you know, kill time. They're paying me for my labor and I'm going to perform that labor. I'm not going to skirt the system uh you know not to mention the the other bullying factors you know if uh the the union wants to strike well god forbid a union member cross the picket line and go to work because he's got bills to pay and doesn't feel like getting paid the you know $120 uh, a week that his union promised him for whenever he's striking which by the way the union president is still getting paid his full wage because he's not an employee of the company that is on strike he is just the union president who takes a bunch of the – a large percentage of all the dues and uh, doesn't actually do too terribly much outside of collective bargaining. And, uh, you know, uh, but that's a whole other – there's a whole other aspect to that. We
0: got lesson Ten minutes, we got to get to guns and free speech. I'm in favor of unions. I say if you feel like you're an exploited worker, unionize. But, of course, there are some negatives to union. I agree with you. They are not perfect. But I think they're better than nothing. I think they're better than being exploited by a corporation individually. I think you got to organize with others. Otherwise, the capitalists, they will use their power and grind you into uh, you're no longer, um, you know, Productive, and they'll find someone else to replace you. So I think you at least help that uh, make you a little bit less expendable. But anyways, let's go to free speech. I am in favor of free speech. I do not want the government to regulate speech. I think if you allow the government to regulate speech, you're also making them an authority on history and the facts and the truth. I think that's a bad thing. So I'm in favor of pretty much all free speech unless it stopping short only of inciting violence um that kind of thing so i am in favor of pretty much saying anything and and i think that there should be absolutely minimal limits as little limits on speech as uh possible um stopping short of you know committing a crime of some kind you know inciting violence stuff like that what say you about free speech
1: well uh, i mean i'll take it a bit further i think that if the state has authority over your speech they have authority over your mind and body And that makes you their slave. So uh, absolutely, I'm in favor of free speech.
0: That's what the the Soviet Union did. It was a totalitarian society. If you spoke out against the communists and the power order there, you were thrown into the gulag. And I do not – I am not in favor of that. So I do not uh, – I did not get down with Soviet Union or that form of communism. I consider myself an anarcho-communist, but I don't think that form of society, maybe, um, you know, free society before, you know, history and whatnot. That might have been the way we did things. Um, but, yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. I'm right there with you. I think if you give the state uh, the power of free speech, you're giving them the power over your mind and your body, for sure. What about guns? It seems like that's a important issue to you, go ahead and we got uh, maybe five minutes or so, go ahead and give your spiel. I think there should be um, some regulations on guns, certainly, you know, assault rifles, bombs, jets, I don't know, atomic weapons. I think we should have some limitations on the violence that citizens are able to carry out. But I also would say that the, there should be limits on the violence that the police and the military should be able to carry out. So I would, I definitely think there's a good thing to limit, uh, you know, regulate guns, firearms, assault rifles, bombs, jet planes, I don't know, battleships, all that kind of stuff. I think we should limit uh, the, the ability for the state and for individuals to carry out acts of violence. What say you? Uh,
1: well, to me... Uh... Gun control is is it's a violation of uh, property rights. It's a violation of uh, an individual's right to life. Um, for one, property rights allows somebody to own, own anything um, as long as it's a, you know the fruits of their labor. So if they um, you know they go to work in exchange for a wage, they take that wage and they exchange it for um, you know a, a, a belt-fed machine gun uh, that series of exchanges is exchanged title of ownership all the way down to that machine gun now belongs to uh you know the guy who bought it. Um so uh, you know to say that he can't have it and to say that if he does have it then the police are going to come and take it from him and invoke violence against him, you know, that is a that is a violation of his property rights. Um you know and, and gun control has never worked uh, and and you know we've got some really great you know historical data on all of this um you know the gun control has never been a, a direct you know directly worked for decreasing uh violent crime rates um the only thing that you can may be able to compl- to uh uh claim even though it's likely not a uh, you know not not accurate is that it might It had an effect on gun deaths, but that doesn't decrease the overall violent crime rate um, and doesn't decrease the violence at all. You know, evil people carry out evil no matter what tools are available to them. Uh, You know, we've had domestic terrorists who, use uh, you know, uh, pressure cookers, for instance. Um, So they will people will do evil if it's in their hearts to do and, and no law is going to stop it. Uh, especially a law that only punishes people who have no ill intent whatsoever
0: what the, the the word uh domestic terrorist that always kind of rubs me the, the wrong way the um but i think there are domestic terrorists there's definitely people carrying out you know terrorism to whatever for some sort of agenda um but i think that's kind of you know it's a term used by someone that's trying to maybe defame, you know, their political opponent or whatnot. So let's what say you. I think George Washington and the founding fathers were um, textbook domestic terrorists. They were trying to overthrow the government, uh, and they used violence to, you know, carry out a revolution, and they succeeded. Um, they also used, you know, violence to exterminate the Native American population here uh, and carry out that genocide. Uh, but I think George Washington was a domestic terrorist, a very successful domestic terrorist. Uh, I was in favor of you know the, the democratic project that they were um, partaking in, um, but I still think you know they were domestic terrorists trying to overthrow the government, and they were successful and they used violence to do that. So, what say you and me? Maybe terming someone like George Washington or one of the other founding fathers a domestic terrorist? Do you agree with that uh, representation?
1: I mean, it literally fits the definition. So, I mean. Uh, you know, right now that phrase is stigmatized by the state because they don't want anybody to be a threat to their power over us, that's right. Um, so you know, yeah, so that's uh, that's what they, you know, that's that's why it's stigmatized. Um, but in reality, you know, terrorism only really happens, um, whenever there is a state involved, and um, you know. It, uh, whether that's tyranny or what have you, there there is a motivating factor. It doesn't necessarily. I'm not necessarily going to justify committing terrorist acts in any way, uh, because violence shouldn't happen. Only defensive violence is authorized under uh, natural law. I agree. Um, yeah. So you know, you can use deadly force to defend your life and defend your property. Um, and so you know, I'm not. By any any stretch suggesting that we should go to war. Uh, but if you do, the way that you need to go about it is to make sure that you're not you're you're only taking out legitimate threats and not on it. Noncombatants or anything like that. War is an awful thing and shouldn't exist. Yes. Hey, we got, uh, we and got on, 20 seconds.
0: I just want to thank you. Let's do it again. Let's stay in touch. I appreciate the debate that's going to cut us off here. Uh, I think you made me think on a lot of different things. I had to consider my philosophies and consider my f- foundations and whatnot. So I appreciate your c- conversation. I-, I think it was very enlightening. Hopefully some people learned some stuff about you and your philosophies. I'll put up a link. Have a great night. Thanks a lot. Adios. to Necessary Illusions. I also want to thank my special guest Derek Wills, A.K.A. and Cap Air, for a great discussion on politics, liberty, guns, and free speech, among many other issues. Also, thanks to Drowning Dog and Malatesta for the music on the show. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters. I'm out.